welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, January 21st edition of the show. And I said January again. I don't know how this is happening. Did you do that last week? And I, you know, I, I did it? it two podcasts ago. Amazing. Amazing that this has it, happened it, to me again. It is February 21st. Birthday I, birthday of the one and only my or my father, uh, yeah. Mike, and also my nephew's birthday, Tyler. I'm surprised you didn't lead with President's Day. But yes, um, it is your happy birthday to Papa Rudolph. I think yeah. everyone everyone uh, direct your happy birthday wishes to Jake's father on, on Twitter yep. or other channels. Yeah. you. So you had a good day with him? I did. Yep. And also my nephew's birthday. Nice. Yeah. Wow. Huge day for you. I know. Yeah, it must have been nice to have the day off. It was. Can't imagine what that's like. As, as you were uh, slaving away. As I was just toiling, paying the Pied Piper. Um, yeah, it's definitely February 21st, for the record. And it is President's Day, which I didn't have off. Um, not salty about it at all. Also, I guess it's, I, I learned it's Family Day in Canada. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that is true. So happy Family Day to all of our Leaf Rapids listeners. Uh <laughs> Getting that one out of the way early. This is a very early Leaf Rapids reference. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I guess today is meant to honor George Washington, but we've also lumped in Jefferson, Lincoln, and there might be a fourth. So, okay. <laughs> it's just, it's President's Day, I guess. Yeah, yep. <laughs> um, anyway, I was a little annoyed. Didn't get any mail today. What's up with that, huh? No, wow. I, I, if you're if you're a mailman listening to this right now, or mailwoman, uh, I'm. I hope you enjoyed the day off. You deserve it. Okay, we're gonna talk about hockey at some point. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Anaheim Ducks and their Western Canadian road trip, which was this close to being a disaster. Like it was not far away from being kind of a season-ending disaster, and instead it ends with a game against the kind of hapless Vancouver Canucks. The Ducks just light them up. Really can't. It seemed like they just couldn't miss the net, and Thatcher Demko uh, definitely did not hurt that. The Ducks win that one 7-4. to four. We've got some injury updates to talk about, and surely some bones to pick here and there. So I think it should be a fun show. I think we've Wait. got enough to, to get through. Us picking bones? Okay, can I, just, can I just come out right out of the gates and start with this? Okay. So it was against Calgary, I believe. Was it against Calgary? I mean, I don't know what you're going to bring up, so sure. Was it against Calgary or was it against Vancouver? Hmm. I'm really annoyed that I can't remember this. What What is this? I can help if you say tell me what it is. So Nick Delorier gets a huge hit in the Vancouver. first period. Yeah, and crushes a guy. Yeah, Burroughs. Yeah. Crushes a guy uh, and ends up injuring the guy. Like, you know, n- nothing malicious there at all, of course. But... For the rest of the period, every good thing it seemed that the Ducks did was because of the tone that was set by Nick Delorier's late hit. <laughs> can we can we just can we stop with this? Like I again fully appreciate what Nick Delorier brings to this team. I I think it's great that he's willing to put his body on the line, but <laughs> the the odd man rush that happens 5 minutes later is not because of a hit. It's because of the play and how it broke down. That's why it happened. Yep. No more. I mean, this this is just like the ESPN Plus broadcast. Yes. Instead, I of, mean, instead of talking about actually the play that led to the goal, yeah. they were talking about the... The, uh, the fight. Like, yeah. like, this is a recurring theme now. Every time Nick Delorey punches somebody, hits somebody, you know he's going to get credit for it the rest of the game. Everything else that happens. If John Gibson gets a shutout, it's because of Nick Delorey's hit, not you know because what? of John Gibson. You know what, Felix? 
We should start hyping up Nick Deloria more because then maybe he'll get a first-round pick for the Ducks. <laughs> well, I mean, this is great news for the Ducks that he's playing this well and he's getting all this this press. Uh, awesome Price with a great comment in Twitch saying, is Felix suggesting that correlation does not prove causation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yep, maybe. Yep. maybe just, just maybe. Maybe that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, oh, I'm. How am I already this upset? And we're, we're seven minutes into the show. Ah. So anyway, just wanted to get that out of the way early. But... In the last week, Jake, I have had kind of a roller coaster of emotions towards this team because after that, after the Calgary game, where I mean, was it a competitive game? Was it not? I thought that you, I think you said at certain points that they were okay at five the, on five. The first period, the first period at five on five, the Ducks were actually solid enough. It was kind of somewhat low event, but I think that they were solid enough. The issue was that. Calgary got a power play and they took advantage of it. The Ducks had six minutes of power play time and really looked hapless during that. They didn't really generate a whole lot. And this is something we'll get into a little bit more with, uh, with the power play coming up, but um, they didn't take advantage of, and then kind of after that first period in, or first intermission, Calgary came out and really looked like they were significantly the better team. And I mean, to they be are. fair, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> Calgary is one of the best teams in the league. Like, I think you and I agree with that. I think I may honestly have them as the best team in the league right now. I mean, um, I, th- I think they're in the top three, three or four, yeah. like at worst. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so, I mean, I'll pull up the the game chart, game flow chart, just so kind of everyone can see where the Ducks definitely, I think, had. And let's see. Let's throw this up there. The Ducks had the better uh, of the, the play at five on five because of a couple of good chances in that first period. And then just basically after that first period, it was just a whole lot of nothing. This flat line kind of goes to show the Ducks got a couple of shots, would get some shots, but they were really low percentage shots that really didn't account for anything. And then it just kind of stayed that way. And then in the third period, Calgary just really pushed the play. And I mean, it ended up six to two Calgary, a lot of that due to the power play. And if I change this from five on five to all, you'll kind of even see that aspect of it where... Calgary took advantage of their power play and it really pushed them up. And so um, penalty killing an issue in this game, power play an issue in this game. I mean, maybe some people might not like to hear this, but goaltending an issue in this game. Well, Um, the the big narrative to me from this game is just the way that the roster, that the lineup was constructed going into it. Yep, that too. Because you have this Calgary team that is an excellent team in all facets of the game right now. And the big takeaway, it seems, from the Anaheim coaching staff is that we've got to play a, a heavy game, that we, yeah. need a, that we need a heavy lineup. And so you have a top six, which is there's like a clear-cut difference between the top six and the bottom six, where you're prioritizing grittier type players. And then you have Greg Patteron in the lineup. I mean, I he I was know in the, on, the, in the, on the second D pair for that game, yeah, right? Yeah, he was on the second pairing. And I understand that. I understand that they're missing Josh Manson and that they they kind of miss that element that he brings of physicality. But it was pretty clear in this game that Greg Patteron just can't keep up against yeah. the NHL's best. And so I'm not I'm not saying that the Ducks had maybe a clear cut solution available to them with some of their missing players, but it just seems like the way hamstringing yourself like this before the game even starts doesn't really help. I mean, you're scratching Max Contois, right? It's really hard to beat an elite five on five team when you only have two lines that can really provide you offense. And that's, that to me was kind of the big issue is that they put themselves in a bad position to start. 
Yeah, well, I, I don't think it's necessarily from that perspective because I think that's just kind of – it is what it is with the depth of the roster. Well, but they right? but they but they changed the lineup no, as I, the week I, went along. No, I know, I know. But I, I think that, op, like, getting the top six is the best top six options that you have is is the way you should go. But the way that they constructed that bottom six is, is the big issue. And, right. and here's my, my issue with this overall, right? If you are constantly changing your lineup to essentially meet what the other team has – then you're stating essentially that you don't have an identity mm-hmm. that you are, your identity is changing constantly. If you're going to be, uh, uh, mixing and matching for whatever the other team is, if yeah. you're just purely going to be reactionary when in reality, the best teams in the league, they play a certain style and they know how they win. And that's their style. And the issue is, is, and we mentioned this, honestly, the first game that I can really think about this, I think we did a watch along for it was that, uh, Arizona game near that the last game pre-Christmas break um, where the Ducks ended up losing that game and it really oh, yeah. lo- it looked like they went out of their way to play physical mm-hmm. and really kind of got involved with a lot of the extracurricular stuff when in reality that's not what this Ducks team is good at. Like that's not what this team should be trying to do. That's not the game that this team should be playing. And I feel like at times Dallas Akins tries to force that on this team without realizing that that's just not what they do. Right. And, and that's kind of what this felt like to me is a misunderstanding of what his team is and right. trying to force it to be something it's not. I mean, it's forcing a square peg into a round hole. I use that a lot, but that's what this felt like. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's also just saying that it's, it's more important for us to feel like we're matching this physicality of this team than just playing our team game. Right, mm-hmm. that it, that that we're afraid of getting beat up more so than we're fra- than we're actually trying to go out yeah. and score some goals and play effective hockey. Well, and it's and it's also saying that if one team's big and physical, that the only way that you can b- combat that is by being big and physical back. Right. When and in reality, you yeah. can play your your game that's more of a speed transition game and beat them that way. Like yeah, th- and this. Th- this isn't the same Ducks team from years past. The best players on this team aren't these big hulking right. guys where the only ways that you can win is by being physical. Like, this is a different Ducks team. Right, totally. And I think that it's also kind of a misevaluation of the Flames a little bit, right? Yeah. Because because the Flames have, yeah, they have some big guys, Adorov, Goodbranson, Lucic. They have, some, they have some big guys that can hurt you, but that's not what makes them great. What makes them great is their top line, their offensive depth, their puck moving ability from the back end, their the depth on the blue line. Like they have so many other things going for yeah. them. And those are the things that ultimately are gonna hurt you. Not Milan Lucic just finishing his check at the end of a shift mm-hmm. or Zadorov or Goodbranson getting into it, cross checking in front of the net. Like that is not what you should be worried about when you're playing one of these teams. And that was to me the most frustrating thing. And and I think that your point was kind of what I was trying to say is that, yeah, maybe it's not so much about the top six versus bottom six. It's just the way that that bottom six was configured where it's just all size, all grit. And then you've got, you know, Silverberg and Lundestrom. So anyway, and, and, and the result speaks for itself, right? I mean, they, they, I understand that maybe they weren't as bad at five on five, but this was not a good game for them. Well, it was only in the first period. I think that they weren't as bad, weren't that they were probably the better team at five on five. And then after that, it really right. took a swing the other way. Right, and and so again, it's just one of those things where I think that the proof is kind of in the pudding with this one. And then, I mean, the highlight though is of course Sonny Milano's goal, really nice play to yeah. cut in and elevate the puck. Um, Isaac Lundestrom picking up a shorthanded goal. Mm-hmm. Isaac Lundestrom. It was a nice play. It was a really nice has, play. What what do we make? Where, where are we at on Lundestrom hype right now? 
I think you and I are pretty much on the same same part of it. I think, I mean, a lot of it's going to be baked into the fact that he's shooting 20%. Let yeah. me double check that, but I believe that he's shooting 20%. Might which, be a little lower. Might I mean, be a touch lower now. But yeah. yeah, which is like exactly kind of what we've talked about in, uh, on previous podcasts with the fact of looking at uh, kind of Max Comtois in the season he's having and looking at shooting percentages and how that can really impact things. No, he's still shooting 20%. <laughs> um, and, and just how that impacts uh, perspective, expectations, everything like that moving forward. I, I think the one thing, if you want to take away from this, is that he has shown an ability to create offensive plays that I didn't think he was going to be able to make. Having said that, he's not going to be finishing and creating and having points at the and, rate and, and that he's, he's having. He's also not always doing it at, at five on five either. Yeah. He's, he's kind of getting these moments shorthanded, which is not to take anything away from him. It's just that what you're looking for is a guy you're, – you're looking for what a guy can do at five on five ultimately because that's the bulk of where the game is played. And I mean, this year he's been pretty bad at five on five. I mean, he's he hasn't been he's improved a little bit often or sorry defensively in recent months or in recent weeks, but he's still worse than what he was last year. And his offensive play driving is a little bit better, but he's still below replacement level in that respect. So, yeah, I think a lot of the hype around him is really just the fact that he's shooting twenty percent. I, I don't know if it really extends beyond that. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of right now looking at Jay Fresh's charts on him. And, I mean, looking at 21-22, that kind of bottom right corner of the, the charts and everything like that, his finishing is in, like, the 80th percentile. Um, while right. his even strength defense is right around 50th percentile, even strength offense around maybe 10th or 15th percentile. So mm. that just kind of gives you an idea of kind of where he's at in terms of uh, pushing play and everything like that and how much of his impact is being driven by purely having finishing that's higher than it should be. And so, I mean, I think the the takeaway, if you want to have uh, from all this, is that I think is a fourth-line center. What he's done so far this season is really good from that yeah. perspective. But he's not I a fourth-line center, though. I that's think the with, the, with the minutes that he's given, with everything like that, I, I think that's the issue. I think there is still some room for him to grow. I think that... That's, I think, maybe the positive moving forward for for Ducks fans to kind of listen to and think about with this. Is yeah, that... I mean, he's 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 still quite young. There's still yep. there's still, like you said, room for growth. But I just think some of the hype this season. No, I I yeah. think that there there needs to be a different narrative here than how good he's been as compared to where he actually is and what he could potentially become. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the key key differentiation here is that I yep. think he could eventually become what a lot of people uh, think he is right now. <laughs> yeah. But that's just not what he is. Uh, CJKHL and uh, the Twitch chat says, if you look at the numbers, Lundstrom is better than Matthews. Source, numbers I made up on Instagram. I mean, looking at Austin Matthews tonight uh, against the Marty St. Louis-led Canadians, <sighs> you might, you, you might you be You mean right. future Ducks head coach Marty St. Louis? I hate that this has become a thing people are using against me. <laughs> like, you can't take away the one good thing I have on my team right now. You just can't. Um so then, moving. Do you want to quickly do the Edmonton game? Sure, let's go for it. That that game was painful. <laughs> I mean, well, it started off like it was. Wait, gonna... wait, 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 wait. We need to back up real quick. Something we hadn't talked about: the fact that um, at what was it, four to one, with thirty five minutes left in the game, Dallas Aikens uh pulled oh, pulls pulled John Gibson, jo- pulls John Gibson, mm-hmm. and does that be with the distinct? Uh, I think. Let me. I'll find the quote. But it was basically him saying that he believes in percentages and odds. Yeah. And the percentage chance that the Ducks were going to come back in that game was extremely low. So he wanted to have a fresh John Gibson ready for the next game. And 
I have some issues with that. Maybe well, I'm kind of overreaching so, here. So he, here's, can I quickly say something? Oh, here, here's the exact quote real quick. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was dealing with nothing. I'm big on odds and percentages. The chances that we, uh, were, we were going to come back were low, so I'd rather have him rested and ready for tomorrow. Yeah. So here's what I want to say to that. Yeah. Uh, the broadcast, John Ollers and Brian Hayward, initially said that he was hurt. And they also initially said that Gibson was the one who skated over to the bench and talked to Aikens, and then they took him out. That's what they said. That's what they observed. And they're they're at the game, at least I think so. Um, and then there was a push from Ducks PR to make sure to note that he was not injured. And then after the game, in Aikens' comments, he made sure to stretch that he was stressed that he was. De- I mean, he said it kind of in this weird way. He's he was dealing with nothing, right? Yeah. So. I think that there's a chance that this is all BS and that Gibson just tweaked something and wanted out. I don't think it's impossible. Yeah. Because <laughs> the likelihood of like, this like, happening, like, this is like, essentially... Like why, why, why would Aikens want to take out his, like, the, the guy who is has the best chance of getting you back in the game? Yeah. Like, like this, in a game that you wa- have to win. Well, and this is waving the white flag to me. And I feel right. like that's a very odd thing, right? Is that you're essentially saying that I don't think we have a chance to win this game. And I think... Akins is a guy that's huge on messages to the the team, right? Yeah. What message does this send to the, everyone on the bench if that's what he's doing and pulling well, him I mean, for they, that? They were getting smoked, though. No, like, agreed, <laughs> agreed. But yeah. they also, like, it's not as if that's, like, a motivational thing. And here's the other issue I have with it, right, is that, mm-hmm. like, the, the Edmonton game was supposed to be a night off for him. Yeah. And there is something to that where... Like, and, those the, night, and those nights off are important. And if you're the starter, you prepare differently than if you're the, the backup. Um, and so I think that that's kind of an issue there also is that I would have rather seen Gibson just finish out that game and let him have his scheduled night off where he doesn't have to prepare in the same way, do everything as if yeah. he's a starter. And instead, what ended up happening was he had back-to-back nights where he was starting. And right, I, think right. that, that, I think that that in some ways led to the Ducks suffering the next night because here's the thing in the the game against uh the Flames Gibson in his short time playing was at negative 2.27 GSAX and so he was just below replace or below uh expected in that game and that's not to say that the Flames weren't getting quality chances because they were but you he needs to make a save or two that he didn't and right. and that's kind of what that's showing and a lot of times what we also end up seeing is that on the second end of back-to-backs, goalies end up suffer or suffering because they're just going to be overworked. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, John Gibson was that. And so, I mean, in the Edmonton game, negative 3.39 GSAX. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. those are two straight games of significantly negative uh, goal save above expected uh, values. And I think that there's a bit of correlation that you can uh, you can have there from Gibson starting in back-to-back games for that, that Oilers game. I, I 100% agree, and and that's the weird thing is that you're scheduling a night off because he ne- because he needs it because it's important for him to get the rest, and now instead of him having the night off, he's actually playing more than he was expecting to, like significantly, uh, against a really high powered Oilers team. So I kind I still I mean I don't think it's a crazy decision to pull him because. The Ducks, like I said, were, I mean, they were getting destroyed. It was the also game- the timing was weird because he didn't pull him after the goal. It was like, uh, it was like five. Yeah. It was just odd. I just think he didn't want to embarrass him by, by pulling him after the goal. As, as a goalie who's been pulled in, in more than a few games <laughs> in my lifetime, 
<laughs> there's an art to the goalie pull, and I think that Aikens is trying to trying to thread the needle there. Um, but yeah, so I I would say that it wasn't it wasn't a crazy pull. I think it's just weird that he put him back in the night after. Like, and, like, and it, I think it, it was the way that he worded it in the post game. I think that bugged me. Yeah. So, but I like Aikens. I mean, sorry, uh, Gibson has had a few rough games, but I'm not. I'm not at, to, at the point where I'm saying he's in a slump or anything. No, like and, and I think like, that the, that's the, the key thing the, here. The, th- the team isn't playing well in front of him. Yeah, the team's not playing well in front of him. I think that doesn't necessarily help. But I think in that same kind of breath, on the last road trip, right, the team mm. was awful in front of him, and he was outstanding. Right. Um. And, and so I think that's really the difference between this road trip and the prior one is that they had a phenomenal John Gibson that was stealing games for them. Yep. And then on this road trip, they weren't. And that's kind of the the big difference between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the the real. Uh, I think my big important takeaway from this is that Gibson wasn't uh, outstanding, and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily meant to be a shot at him because he was so good on that road trip and has been so good at various points in time that he's still top ten in the league in GSAX, even though he was like I think negative like nine over mm-hmm. the last four games, right? Something like that. And, and so it, it's just. I think it just goes to show how good he was and kind of he's allowed to have a little bit of uh, a couple of bad games. But yeah. This is where the team's five on five play is so important. Yep. And then I guess for the Edmonton game, what is there to really say? They, I mean, they started off up to zero, you know, two power play goals even. And then after that, you have five unanswered goals against, and then you have one Trevor Zegers goal, which is actually really nice the sharp mm-hmm. angle shot, but I don't know. Just kind of, is it a burn the tapes type of game? And you had a, it was a multi-point night from Zegers also. Yeah. But yeah. Zegers who's, you know, stalling out post yeah. all-star break. Yeah. Was it five points in four games? Yeah. No, he's, I think it's five and six. Is that Cole Caulfield? I'm getting the two confused. Sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, so, just, but then again, so you have the, the Gibson fatigue factor. Once again, the team comes up short. And after this game, it really felt like, I mean, first off, the Ducks were missing Ryan Getzloff against Edmonton. Yeah. And you had Max Contois come back into the lineup. You had some reconfiguring of the lineup. You had Sam Steele come in, Buddy Robinson come out. Um, you still have Greg Patteron out there, which is kind of insane oh. to me. Was that um, the game where he got chipped and just, like got destroyed no, that was calgary that was that calgary was, sorry yeah he had some awful plays in both games yeah i mean he that, he, that, he played yeah. he played 12 he played 12 11 in that game uh josh mahura played 843 against Edmonton. oh boy um yeah. by the way not i know that we're not plus minus people but it's a pretty funny stat line greg pattern in this game minus three drysdale minus three linholm minus two mahura minus two sam Steele minus four. Oh my god um, it was a rough night for a, yeah. for a lot of different players. Not not a fun night. One that yeah, it's definitely just a burn the tapes type of night. And then I guess moving on to Vancouver. So you still you still don't have Ryan Getzlaff, and it sounds like Ryan Getzlaff might have been able to play in this game. Yeah, kind of kind of another weird comment from Akins where he says, "Well, if there were ten games left in the season, this might be a different conversation." But we need to keep this young man healthy. Or I'm paraphrasing here. Young man did call him a young man, which is great. Uh, and look, young's relative. I'm of two minds on this. I think for one, yeah, you don't want to push a guy if he can't play. But when you say that if it if there were ten games left, it would be a different conversation. You're kind of insinuating that he could play. 
And then by saying also that there's a bunch of time left in the season, it almost feels like you're not understanding the gravity of this game, right? Mm -hmm. And then you combine that with all the different line changes before this game started. And it just felt like this was Aiken's kind of, it almost felt like this was his last stand where he's just going all in all these different changes. And as it turned out, it did not matter a single bit because the ducks just couldn't miss in this game. Yeah. And the, I mean, they were up, they were up five, nothing on the Canucks. The Canucks made it a little frisky for bits and pieces, but realistically this was just domination from the ducks. Nick Delorier picks up two goals. Um, yeah. <laughs> you had Sam Steele get on the board, Troy Terry, 26 goal of the season. So it was just, it, it just, whatever Aikens did, I don't think any of it really mattered because the Ducks just, again, couldn't miss the net well, in this game. Yeah, that, yeah, Thatcher Demko did not have a great night. The power play actually was clicking. And out, uh, unlike kind of previous games, they actually were generating a lot of chances. Like mm-hmm. this was a throwback game, I think, from the power play to early in the season when they were actually generating a bunch of chances. And so I think that kind of at five on five, this was a game that, um, the Ducks were the better team, but not significantly so, not to the, the tune of what ended up being, what, it was a 7-4 scoreline. Yep. Um, the power play is what really drove them along with some very poor goaltending from the, the Canucks. And so I think that, I mean, sometimes you need that. You need the power play to come in for you or come up big for you and, and win you some games. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if I would necessarily make this a right-home uh, situation for Dallas Aiken's line changes being this uh, huge success. And right. I, my biggest issue with the line changes, we don't have to go into it too much. Uh, maybe we can. No, let's go. But, let's but go. The biggest issue, because uh, basically the line changes they made were the lines were going to be Milano, Terry, Getzloff, ended up being Steele instead of Getzloff. And then it was Henrique, uh, Zegris, Silverberg. Yep. And then it was Lundestrom, Comtois, Raquel. Yep. And the issue I have with the, this is I get what he's trying to do. And I think it's good overall that you're spreading things out a little bit more. Um, I think there there are two ways to do it. Either you just load it up on the top six and you go for it. But I think that you can still spread it out while also loading it up. I think the Ducks do have some talent to be able to do that, enough talent to be able to do that. Um, my main issue is the fact that you have a pair in Milano and Zegers that has had a lot of success this season. And Milano is a guy that has really made Trevor Zegers a better player. And I think they feed off each other. You look at Trevor Zegers' numbers with and without Milano, and he takes a pretty big dip without Milano. And I think a large part of that is due to Milano's game suiting him really well. And I think I really, I, I think the the bad decision here is taking Zegers away from Milano. And I think that having Troy Terry, Trevor Zegers, and Sonny Milano is going to be the way that they should be going moving forward because that could be their first line going in the future. And we talked about this a bit on the Patreon episode yesterday, but I think a large part of the change and putting Jacob Silverberg with uh, Trevor Zegers is Dallas Akins. And we have to be honest here, right? Uh, Trevor Zegers has had some bad plays in the defensive zone over the last trip. Yep. He's had some turnovers that, that led to goals against singular plays. Don't necessarily define an entire game for a player, but they do stick out in, in coaches heads and, and things like that. And so I think a big part of this change is, is coming from the fact that, uh, Dallas Aikens views, uh, views Trevor Zegers as being suspect defensively. And so putting, uh, Jacob Silverberg on his line is a way to, uh, negate that when in reality, Sonny Milano is better defensively than Jacob Silverberg is by a lot. And by he a drives lot. more offense. Yes. 
And so in reality, all that you're doing is you're actually taking away the better defensive player from his line and also taking away the offensive capability of Sonny Milano because Jacob Silverberg is essentially nothing offensively at this point in his career. He just can't push the play. And so the big issue that I have is separating those two. Right. Is separating Milano and Zegers. If the Ducks were to go with, let's say, Zegers, Terry, Milano, and then have <laughs> Getzloff with Henrique and Silverberg, and then the third line remains the same with Comtois, Lundestrom, and uh, Raquel, I think that's a much better setup. So I, I agree with what you're saying. I think that splitting up Zegers and Milano is definitely questionable. But on the same like in the same breath, I will say that I, I think it's not crazy for Aikens to do this because it's an acknowledgement that you can't have, you, you can't only have two lines that can generate offense. You need more than that. And by having Contois, Lundestrom and Raquel on your third line, yeah, it's not going to be an elite uh, third line offensively, but it's certainly going to be more than Lundestrom, Silverberg and Grant. Like you're going to get more, a little bit more out of those guys and so spreading that wealth and giving yourself more bites at the apple offensively, that's really important. I mean, you need like does, that that is necessary in the modern NHL. You can't have you can't have a, a two zero lines, which is what the Ducks have had. Doesn't that doesn't kind of keeping Zegers with Milano and essentially swapping Zegers and Getzloff accomplish that though? No, because you well all I'm saying is that I'm not refuting what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that no, the, yeah. the, the, the concept of the three lines, which maybe the ceiling is a little lower, but the floor is higher for each mm-hmm. one, I think is not a terrible approach. Okay. Like, it's not perfect, certainly, but I want to give Aikens a little credit here that he is trying things that are not insane, right? Like, the, the, these are things that I think can make some sense. So maybe I'm, I, I I really well, just I, 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 I think I, that you're, the, the problem is that you're stuck on the Zegers Milano thing. Well, not only that, I'm and, also and this is and this is what I said in Discord. You are missing the forest for the trees. No, not only that. No, <laughs> I I also think my other issue is that you're you're saddling Zegers with an offensive no, uh, nothing. Essentially, well, but but with, with here's Silverberg. the thing though. You're ignoring okay. the fact that Henrique is really good. No, like, I, it's not I, as I, if it's not as if Zegers is is you know agreed, cast away. Agreed. You know, agreed. yelling Wilson on agreed, that line like agreed. he. He's he's but got Adam sh- Henrique there. They should have two wingers that can do that though. Sure, I mean that's fine. Like, like that, all, I'm, all I'm saying is this isn't quite as bad as you're making it. I'm not making it out to be horrible. You're making it like it's awful. No, I said that if you just swap Zegers <laughs> and Getzloff, then it's great. Like yeah, sure. Well, well, here's the thing though, and one we, change, and maybe maybe something that we should discuss more is that with no Getzloff, and then you have Steele on the first line. That's yeah. kind of that's where it gets weirder to me. Like I like the concept when you have Getzlaff, but when you don't have Getzlaff, like Steele is just not really the guy. Like at that point, I'm, I'm almost more in favor of the loaded up option. Yeah. Th- well, than, uh, well, that's been the whole thing. I think the, when I had even said in the past that the duck should really load it up, it was when they were significantly hurt. So you yeah. need to just be able to, to make you need it to, work. You need to have like your spam line, which is yeah. just going to be awesome. By the way, can I have this take? Will you allow me this take? <laughs> Let, let's hear it. Sam Steele has been better than Isaac Lundestrom this season. Yeah. Like if you if you put if you put Sam Steele in Isaac Lundestrom's spot, the Ducks are better off. Right? Like at five on five. I'm not uh, The I'm, only question I have there is that I think there is maybe some quality of competition baked sure. in there in terms of Lundestrom's numbers being poor. Sure. Uh, and so maybe that does 
factor hey, in somewhat. Hey, Sam Steele's playing on the top line. So you 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 shovel that uh you shove that that slander towards Are you, Sam are Steel. you going to become a Sam Steele stand? Should, should, should I <laughs> This is like the ultimate like I'm just being a contrarian for the sake of it if now I'm defending Sam Steele. Well no, I I do think though it's it's worth noting that Sam Steele has been better I think than than the criticism this year. Like really the difference between like if we're being honest, the difference between Sam Steele and Isaac Lindstrom this season is that Sam Steele isn't killing penalties and he's not shooting 20%. In yeah. terms of perception, that is it. That's yeah. it. That's all. And yep. by the I, way, Isaac have Lindstrom isn't like now. an awesome penalty killer either. I have it up on the screen right now. There are RIPM charts for this season. So you can kind of see. I mean, it's not as if Sam Steele's been this fantastic player. He's... Uh, no. No. That, like, that, I'm not sitting here telling you he's amazing. I'm just no. saying like he's been better than... Yeah, and, and even though Lundstrom has been playing with Grant and Silverberg, I mean, Sam Steele's been playing on the fourth line a lot this year. Yeah, Sam Steele's been playing with, like, you know, fourth liners Nick all year. Nick Delorier. Yeah, like, like Buddy Sam Robinson. Steele, Sam Steele's, I mean, I, I don't think it's Derek quality. Grant. I don't think it's quality of competition that we're talking about. It's quality of teammate. That part. Of, yeah, no, no, no. People in the Twitch chat are just bringing up the fact that Lundstrom's been playing with Grant, though, so. Like, that, well, well, I mean, and I'm not saying that Isaac Lindstrom isn't going to end up being a better player than Sam Steele because Isaac Lindstrom is way younger and has a lot more runway. Like Sam Steele, it's kind of who he's going to be this year. Yeah. But I'm at the point where I think the Steele slander has gone a little too far. Yeah, I think he's I, at this point. I think he's become a fourth line winger. <laughs> What's with this winger thing? Can, can like he or center, whatever fourth yeah. <laughs> liner. Let's go fourth liner. How about that? How about that? Yeah, like he's a he's a he's a guy who can play in your lineup. All right. Yep. <laughs> All right. Before we before we Good move praise. on. Uh, I think it's time for a word from our sponsors. Yes. So, can I get a round of applause, everyone? <laughs> wow, Felix, you were supposed you just, to clap. You just, you just clapped. You, you were supposed. You were supposed to. That was, was on you. Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. Today, I'm excited to announce that Manscaped launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not. It's for your not-so-private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your family favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair kit to, for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe, literally. Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million uh, men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code CTP. We all know how the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is the uh, is for the most precise trim below the waist. Their advanced case, advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with their ultra premium collection. This package includes the Manscaped premium deodorant. No, not for your balls, for your stanky armpits. This deodorant dries clear and is aluminum free. Smells like their signature scent. I mean, Felix, can you tell me about their hydra- hydrating bo- uh, body moisturizer? Yeah, I mean, I've been using it lately and I've been loving it. So I highly recommend it. There you go. And it can make you uh, keep your skin feeling clean, smooth, and smelling fresh. Their body wash to lather you up with their infused aloe vera and sea salt shower gel. Two in one shampoo and conditioner. Their two in one shampoo and conditioner to clean your scalp with an easy one step and plus a free gift. And this is actually really nice. A three pack set of lip balm that's made up the, uh, with ingredients such as vitamin E, peppermint, eucalyptus oil to keep those chappers feeling moist. Yes, I actually used that right before this podcast. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you sound uh, you sound nice and moist. Good, good on you. 
That that's four products plus a gift inside the ultra premium collection. What a score, Felix! All of these products are cruelty free, paraben free, vegan free, uh, friendly, and dye free. Uh, the best ingredients with zero compromise. I'd recommend using the products in this order, Felix. You can. Hop in the shower and scrub-a-dub-dub that body with the Manscaped body wash. Lather your hair up with the two-in-one shampoo conditioner to keep your noggin toggin. Dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to uh, reinvigorate your dry skin. Put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. And pop the Manscaped lip uh, lip balm on. No one is out here kissing chapped-up lips. Um, and getting dressed after is uh, optional. Wear one great scent all day long. Um, so you can get 20% off plus free shipping with code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code CTP at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle. Thanks to Manscaped. Man, the, the, the comments right now in our Twitch chat are just they're just sending me. I, I feel like our Twitch chat like loves the Manscaped ad read and interacting with that more than uh, more than any other part of the podcast. I, I'm just like I, I can't keep it together when I'm seeing some of these comments. Can't repeat them on air because we are a family friendly show. But funny. And wait, after we just read that ad read, we're family friendly. That was family friendly. No, there are times. There are times <laughs> where it pushes the envelope. Yeah, yeah, I love it cer- though. Certainly, I think when people hear the word moist, um, and that's on ball, you. Uh, you know, and chappers, they just uh, and and balls. It's just it's tough. It's tough yeah, to keep it together. I mean, DB Lowry says, uh, "Look, I only listen to hear you all talk about balls in random Canadi- Canadian cities." <laughs> I mean, this is what this podcast has become. I think ever since we've we've kind of taken this more like off the rails approach with the show, we've gotten we've been getting more. Uh, apple reviews so i think this might be the our, our go-to now is like less hockey more just complete randomness yeah know. uh anything else from the road trip that you want to talk about uh no i mean it, it didn't really turn into this kind of season defining road trip i think it could have if they had lost all three that would have really hurt i mean it's still going to be really tough sledding for the ducks to make the playoffs moving forward i mean la is looking a lot better um, the, the Pacific division is just really shaping up. So it's going to be tough, but they're still in it. Albeit, you know, it's, it's a bit more of an uphill climb now. Oh, I remember what I wanted to bring up here now up on the screen. Um, this kind of, this is the money, oh, the, puck, the money puck five on four, uh, expected goals for season cumulative to date per 60 minutes. So you can kind of see the, the trend is the sample size has grown kind of where the power play has gone. And so this can kind of give you an idea of in terms of generating chances uh, on a per 60 minute basis. So eliminating it all. Yes, Felix. I just, I need to stop looking at the, at the Twitch chat. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, some gems eliminating uh, amount of minutes and things like that on the power play and allows it to kind of be on a per 60 minute uh, <laughs> basis. Um, it, and so early on in, in October, the ducks were kind of settling in right around eight expected goals, four per 60. And ever since then, it's really dried up and they've kind of settled in to around six in the five and a half to six range. And that's a pretty big drop off in terms of expected goals, four per 60. And that's here, here, the issue. Here's what I want to know, Jake. In terms of these stats, what would you say is the <laughs> what would you say is the expected moist per sixty over the course of this sample? Well, it's dried up, so uh, low. <laughs> hey, they can use the lip balm so they can sound <laughs> nice and moist on the power play. 
<laughs> okay. All right. I swear. I promise we're done. I promise we're done. No, but so the Ducks scored a bunch of power play goals in this road trip. Right? And and here, well, and here's the thing. The Vancouver yeah. game was actually good, and you can even see that if you're looking at the chart. Oh, you can't actually see it. The far right of the chart, it's cut off, but it actually kind of bumps up a little bit. Let me see if I can move this. There you go. You can see it bumps up slightly. And so that one game has allowed them to kind of get up a little bit, but that needs to continue. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that's the whole thing is that, you know, this whole season we've we've been told how, you know, Newell Brown and, and Jeff Ward are these masterminds and, and how great is it that they have no ego about it? And, and Dallas Aikens is just letting them, letting them get in the lab and really dissect tape and just really have at it. And Dallas Aikens made some just confusing comments today. Uh, I don't know if you read the Elliot Tiford article where he said, no, that, I had not. Well, last season we didn't really try to, I mean, this is paraphrasing, but it was basically like, we didn't really try to address it as much, or we didn't want to address it as much because it was just so bad. And it was just like this black cloud. And it's what? like, your job is to figure it out. You are paid. Wait, 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 backtrack for a second. The, wasn't last season the year where, um, where they specifically took the power play duty away from the assistant coaches and gave it to Dallas Aikens yeah. because it was failing. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it, it's just, it's just Dallas. You're, you're, you're being paid a, a shit ton of money to coach hockey maybe actually figure things out instead of say, well, there's a black cloud. Like, and so anyway, so this season he, he's saying that because things are going well, it's easier to keep working at it because I think everyone is more interested in actually talking about it. And look, I get the whole human element side of this, but and so, but the funny thing is that with all that said, with all of this narrative at play with like with the chart you just showed, the ducks power play has actually not been good for a while. And yeah, they, they've been converting on chances, but their actual, you know, chance generation has not been very good. And you, you really have to go back to like the beginning portion of the season for them to look good statistically. Uh, and so, I mean, again, today Dallas Higgins was still talking about Neil Brown and Jeff Ward. And it's just like, man, it's shooting percentage is a hell of a drug. And yeah, they look good against Vancouver. Make no mistake. But yeah. Like I think that we, that I, that was a blast to the past for for the first month of the season, right? I I think we need a bigger we need a bigger sample before we kind of crown them as like they've returned yeah. back to like the early 100%. season form. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other news from the week is Dave Nonis. Dave Nonis is out, so the the Ducks and Dave Nonis have mutually agreed to part ways. And this was this actually broke during the Vancouver game. Yeah, credit to Eric Stevens. Yeah, and I think it is interesting, right? Because if you look at the internal candidates for the Ducks GM position, you had Martin Madden, Jeff Solomon, and Dave Nonis. And it Dave Nonis so far is the only one that has left. And so I guess there's a lot of questions that come out of this. For one, I mean, the one thing we can say before getting to the questions is that really it feels like the last big kind of Murray ally, Murray piece of this organization is gone. Like the Murray imprint is fading fast if, if Dave Nonis is gone. Yeah, 100%. Um, now, though, the question becomes, did he leave because he wanted the GM job and he wants to go somewhere else where he'll he'll have a better opportunity at that? Or did he leave because Pat Verbeek kind of got the lay of the land in the last couple of weeks and decided that this guy doesn't really fit what he, you know, how he wants to, to manage this team? Like, the, there's a lot of questions that, that come out of that. But I think regardless it doesn't really matter i think that dave Nonis being out of this organization 
is a positive. Well, yeah. I mean, Dave Nonis essentially got a job with the Ducks because he's friends with Murray. Because, he, he, because he's drinking buddies with Bob Murray. Like, yeah. That's, that's and, pretty much it. 100%. I mean, he he got fired from the Maple Leafs, did an awful job with that team, set them up in a way that they had to really kind of do some work to 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 build into what they've become today. And they really should have done this years ago if they had a competent general manager doing it at that time. And um, he was able to be so bad at his, at his job that he got fired and then goes and gets a, a scouting gig with the Ducks and eventually turns that into becoming an AGM. And so right. it, it must be nice to be able to be so bad that you end up being able to go do that. And um, I think what this shows is that the Ducks are moving on, like you said, from the Murray era uh and good riddance to that with everything that's come out about mm-hmm. the way that he ran this organization mm-hmm. um i think that this is for the best if uh dave notice was someone that was close friends with murray um you could imagine that he was potentially someone that enabled that behavior from from bob murray mm-hmm. and so getting that person out of the environment is probably for the best not only for the ducks um but also or i guess just for the ducks um, well well also and- i mean one thing that I mean, from Pat Verbeek's perspective, if you're trying to like build out this organization, build out this, your staff and you're looking around, okay. You look at Martin Madden, you know, he's a great scout. You know that he's had plenty of, of great picks in the draft. He has a clearly defined role, right? Jeff Solomon, same thing. You know what he brings. He's got a wealth of experience for more of the managerial side, working with the salary cap and building up analytics and analytics department. So those are things that, you, that are tangible and that you you can work with those. What they've known is, you know, what is he bringing? Like he he's I guess a a pro scout, right? Like he doesn't really have this clearly defined role, and very likely his view on players is maybe not the most up to speed. Um, I mean, I mean, just look at it. Like Dave Nonis, his whole thing is that he's a pro scout and that he's got this eye. Uh, at the pro level, and look how disastrous the Ducks pro scouting has been. Or, like think, we've said, this, think, about, we, think about the shuffling of deck chairs. Right, we've said this over and over. How many times have the Ducks swung and missed on guys over the last three, forty years? And a big part of that is because they had a very difficult time evaluating and finding talent at the pro level. So to me, notice being gone is just a breath of fresh air for for the franchise. Yep, yep, exactly. And so I mean, I, I think it. I think it could be a little bit of both in terms of the Ducks wanting him to go and also him wanting to leave. Yeah. Um, the writing was probably on the wall for him after him not getting the GM job. He was probably the one out of the the three internal candidates that probably had the the highest ambition to potentially. Well, he's the be only one who who had been a GM before. Yeah, exactly. Of the three, and and it sounds like now he's going to go and potentially. I mean, this is I guess just steven's uh opinion but he's saying i wouldn't be surprised if notice finds a role with pittsburgh where one-time mentor brian burke is the president of hockey ops those old hockey men just love to stick together yeah they they will hire each other until the, the cows come so over i mean supposedly i guess scott niedemeyer is, is going to take over some of the the duties of yep. of dave notice whatever they were as as we were talking about who <laughs> knows for sure um, but can't be that I, hard to replace. <laughs> I, I think I would trust Scott Niedermeyer to do a better job than Dave knows in the pro scouting department. And that's without even necessarily knowing. I mean, it's not hard s- to beat. I exactly. could do a better job than Dave Nonis. Oh, God. you could do Sith, a better job. Sith, Sith Lord Buscemi saying Jason Shamara saved this team. What yeah. Chris mean? Kelly, Jason Shamara, oh. the butt speed era. God, that was the first year of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how'd that go? They got swept. Yeah. Uh, so oh boy. Like they've been bad because they've been poorly run, not because yeah. it's it's this, you know, because 
I remember when the this kind of rebuild for the Ducks started, and by rebuild I mean when they started being terrible. There was this whole narrative about, well, it's just inevitable in a cap league that you're going to be bad at some point, and it's like, yeah, that's true to a degree, but the Ducks almost accelerated it by just their horrible decision making. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Another, another um, bone to pick. Yeah, Austin Price asking just kind of on this topic before we get into all, all the other questions. Who currently runs the pro scouting for the Ducks? Then, um, I would That's assume now question. it's just going to be Verbeek. I don't think there's necessarily someone who's ahead of pro scouting at, at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think that that kind of varies depending. I'll, I'll try to find it on the website. Okay. If you um, pull up some questions. Yeah, so we're going to start with our, our Patreon Discord for Crash Spawn. So we got this from SP84. It said, how soon do the Ducks uh, compete for a Stanley Cup? Ooh. Let me ask you this. Could it be next season? I think there's potential that it could be next season. I think more likely not. It's two to three years, though. Mm-hmm. Right. Next, next season is when the playoff window opens. And I think that the year after that is when the contention actually begins. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think that next year they can start put really pushing for the playoffs because of internal growth. And I, I I think that Verbeek has kind of, you know, intimated that he wants to maybe make some additions in free agency. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're just going to have a better team next year. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, let's see. By the way, d- there's a director of player evaluation, which is Bruce Franklin. So maybe uh, there you go. Uh, JJ Stone Drums uh, said, "Do you guys have any idea of games to add to the skills competition? A dumb idea I had was the goalies shoot hard rubber or foam pucks to avoid injury at skaters and see who can score the most slash make the most saves." Uh huh. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, like a I mean, shot there's... blocking challenge, basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm thinking. I don't know how how much you can do with this, but it's like in when you're playing pickup and there's no goalie and you have to hit the posts. Mm-hmm. Something where it's like how many crossbars or posts can you hit in a short amount of time would be kind of fun. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe cross hit crossbar, and yeah. how who can hit the crossbar from further out? Yeah, and slowly so, like slowly work your way further and further away. Yeah, just just really tap into the skill of these players like as yeah. much as you can um briz asks are there any overlooked ducks prospects that you think could have an impact on the team in the future i feel like maybe we're not talking enough about how good uh olin zellweger i knew you were going there once you said we're not talking about how good he's been i knew where you were going well the question was who can help in the future yes well yes someone someone that's overlooked is zellweger overlooked though I don't think he's overlooked. I just think that he's maybe underappreciated. Like potentially, like maybe not by a lot, but he's just been very, very good. Yeah, and the and the Ducks got him after when they should have. Yeah, they're like if he's if he is born a week later, he's top ten pick this draft potentially. Right. That, I mean, that's the whole thing is that like I I just feel like people aren't realizing like how great he could be. Yeah. For the Ducks, I mean. His star probability this year went up from twenty nine percent to forty six percent, and wow. he's a D man. Yeah, like like we're talking like so the, the 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 prospecting model that we use um, from Byron Bader it typically doesn't really favor defensemen because defensemen don't produce as many points. So for Olin Zellweger, like you said, a younger defenseman to now be almost at a coin flip to be an NHL star in terms of production as a defenseman, it's looking pretty good. 
It's looking yeah. pretty good. Um, do you think Henry Thrun might might fall into that? Um, in terms of what he's been doing this year, I mean, he's at a, a almost a point per game in college right now. Twenty four points in twenty six games. Yeah, I mean, how old is he though? Uh, I think he's Trevor Zegers' draft, so he's gonna be twenty one. Yeah, I mean, I think he's gonna play. I think he's gonna be an NHLer. Yeah, but I don't know. But that that's kind of the point. Someone that I guess. Well, let me look real quick. The question was just uh, that could have an impact on the team in the future. Someone that's overlooked. Sure. I mean, so Thrun could be that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the way, do it's you. Thrun. Yeah, Thrun. Is it Thrun? Jake and Jake and pronouncing names correctly. I guess I don't know. Rivalry. Thrun. Uh, John Chigurl is having an insane season in the WHL. Yeah. So- as a as a late pick for that to be something. He has 45 points in 47 games. Now, granted, the WHL is a higher-scoring league, so mm-hmm. maybe that plays a part in it, right? But for someone that was taken, let me see, in the fifth round for the Ducks? Yeah. Like, having a, almost being a point-per-game player in the WHL is not too bad. I liked what I saw from him in, in the development camp, but I don't know. I mean, he's a little older, so uh, we'll see. I, he's basically right or normal. I mean, he's going to be turning 19 in april yeah i uh i don't know i think zellweger is the guy no yeah but he's talked about a bunch this this is the point yes (laughs) he's constantly tweeted about within duck's twitter because of things that he does yeah he had had 11 shots on goal i think you know you you know who i think we're not talking enough about bo grew (laughs) no nothing not even a tiny reaction sean chigurl there you go uh (laughs) Genki, uh, Hor- I don't, Horiguchi is bar. Hor- I, what are you this, saying right now? This, this Twitch account said, stop making up prospects using a WHL name generator with yeah. Sean Chigurl. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, I wish I wouldn't have butchered the, the Twitch name so much, but you know, it is what yeah. it is. I just uh, was hey, wondering what was happening to you there. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, Hey, Odiflo said, how many points will the ducks earn on their upcoming six game road trip? Ooh. Um, Let's, so let's just run. Let's, yeah, let's go through it. So they play the Sharks. Win or lose against the Sharks? I think they win. Uh, Kings. Win or lose? Lose. So they're one and one now against the Islanders. I feel like they might win that game. Yep. The, Island, the Islanders have not been good. Boston. Feels like a loss. Okay. Vegas. Feels like a loss. <laughs> San Jose. I'll, I'll give them a win there. So they go three and three. Yeah, that, I mean, that feels right for this team, no? Yeah, it definitely does. One thing, sorry, this is now a complete sidetracking tangent, but something I, I realized this past week when I was looking at the standings, and I think it's something important to bring up because I don't think we talk about regulation wins enough. Oh, yeah, I know where you're going and, with this. And so the Ducks this season, let me just double check this. Yeah, they're 17-19 and 19 in games decided at 5-on-5. Five five. Mm-hmm. They're under 500. So I think that just kind of goes to show we've talked about their five on five strategy. Well, they're they're playing to game the the the, the standing system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which, and, but but I think looking at if you're trying to look at just wins and losses or looking at the standing and get an idea for what the team is, I think looking at regulation win and losses gives you a pretty good idea of how the team is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's fair. And the Ducks being seventeen and nineteen gives you a much better picture than their twenty four and nineteen. Uh-huh. uh the uh records uh shows so yeah just something i wanted to bring up there yep. um 
Let's see. Uh, 91 Pluty said, predict what team these players will be on after the deadline. <laughs> Lindholm, Manson, Raquel, Delore. Pick uh, a team. We're doing this again. Yep. Okay, Manson, Toronto. Wow, you think he waves? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I, trying to have fun I, here. I say Manson goes to the Panthers. Oh, okay. Raquel is the tricky one for me. Raquel to – I'm going to go Raquel to Calgary. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Calgary loads up. Yeah, that is loading up. What do you do with Lindholm? Lindholm to Ex- – Extend? No. <laughs> Lindholm to Boston? I yeah. Yeah. So an Eastern team. And Delorier to Pittsburgh. So, actually, I'll, I'll just tie in this question I got real quick because I think it makes – it kind of okay. works here. This is from Raz on Twitter. Said, do you think the Ducks are interested in trading Sam Carrick? And what value do you think he brings since he's on a one-year deal? Oh, I got that. I got that same question also. So okay, good. perfect. You're not yeah. on that one out. Well, so what do we? What, I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, how useful is he to the Ducks versus like a playoff team? Well, I don't I think mean, he's did, a UFA. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he is. And he's making um, no money. So. I mean, I think he's someone that I would almost, if you're able to get something for him, great. I also wouldn't hate just keeping him and signing him to an extension. Because I don't yeah. think his value is that high. Yeah, that's the thing is even though we like him, I don't know if other teams kind of see it that way. Um, I mean, maybe they do, but he's a fourth line center. And he, I mean, he's not like a Deloria type who has that kind of weird trumped up value. Um, I mean, he's got nine goals this year. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know, maybe. But yeah. I mean, it's something to think about. Like, I, I don't think anyone should be off the table that's expiring for this summer. Yep. Uh, CZO said for the, oh, you didn't say Delorier. Oh, Pittsburgh. uh, Pittsburgh. Yes. Yeah. Hell yeah. CZO asked for the pod tonight, what performance enhancing drugs were the Habs on tonight and, uh, (laughs) to do what they did to Toronto? Uh, look, the Leafs just choke against the Habs. This is like a known thing at this point. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And he also has, a uh, tickets behind the bench tomorrow and wants a sign suggestion. A he sign needs just, suggestion. He he needs to just print out a picture of West Coast Hockey's uh, display. <laughs> wow, you brought that and, up. And, okay, and, and maybe savage. just put it, a C- it, it, it's savage season. Didn't and realize put a CTP that. logo on it on one of the screens. Oh, for us, for for like I don't like know. He just out? I don't know. He wants. Uh, he was. He's open to any. Open to taking any sign. Oh man, there there's just so many different ways to go with this. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like the West Coast hockey picture though. Yeah. D'Lo for a first, moist. Yeah, there's some good suggestions. Uh, the, the, Lewis, the, the, the chat is coming through a lot more than I am right now. Lewis X two hundred nine said, "Who wins the dog collar match at the pay per view?" And oh, you already answered that on our Patreon answered, episode. Stop, stop with this. No more. And uh, no more. Lewis also asked, uh, "Does Wardlow turn babyface?" And kind of tying in also, NJ Devils fan sixty eight said, "Does Wardlow finally turn on MJF at the pay per view?" Felix, I don't care. I just don't. Does Does Wardlow become a babyface? I just no. I don't know. No, I, I, I don't think it. I don't think it happens at Revolution. I think he wins the face of the Revolution ladder match. I think then. Uh, I think a week later uh mjf tries to say that this is uh in your contract give it to me and there's maybe something lapsing in his contract and wardlow turns baby face <laughs> but it's it's gonna happen soon it's happening soon words fantasy booking fantasy words booking. 
Um, all right, so let's get to Twitch, and then once that's done, I got some stuff on Twitter that we'll get to. Um, so for those those of you watching on YouTube, yes, go to youtube.com slash crashspond where you can like, like, subscribe, all that good stuff to our channel. Hit that notification bell to get uh, notified when we uh, when the videos go up um, or on your favorite podcast. Sir, if you're also listening on your favorite podcast services, you can find us each and every Monday night at 8 p.m. at twitch.tv slash crashspond where you can interact with us live and you can help support the show. Uh, if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days and you get special emotes in the chat, special banner or badges next to your name. So... Um, real quick, we got a couple of, uh, subscriptions that I wanted to shout out. Hey, Odiflo, uh, subbed out for 15 months. So nice. thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Mike, Bonnie subbed. Do you want to guess how many months for Bonnie? Oh my God. Okay. Let me think. Uh, 39, 41, 41. I was going to say 41. Wow. Thank you, that, Bonnie. Th- that is goat, goat tier. Yes. Hall of um, Fame. Bonnie needs to pick Dan, a number so we can retire it. Yeah. Dan Grimshaw said uh, we'll just have a little number somewhere on the screen. <laughs> yeah, uh, we should do that. Dan Grimshaw resubscribed for 16 months. So thank you all thank you. so much. Sweet 16. So let's get to these questions. Uh, here we go. Uh, who would each of you pick for the next captain and why? So I think Troy Terry is a really good pick. I think that I know people want Cam Fowler. He would not be a terrible pick either. I think it would be cool to see Fowler be the captain just because he's been a a member of the team for such a long time. He's locked up long-term, and he just kind of has – I'm just listening to his comments. You know, he's usually pretty insightful, uh, pragmatic, and I think that's kind of a a good leader to have. Troy Terry could be that as well. Maybe Trevor Zegris, just yeah. because he's kind of the face of the franchise. But there's yeah. a few good candidates to me. What I about Fal- Nick Delorier? I think Fowler's the next captain because he's almost like going to be a transitional captain for three or four years, and then yeah. eventually it goes to Zegris. Maybe. I mean, we don't know. Like the, it, it's the verbuild now, so we we just don't know. There you go. Uh, <laughs> CJ KHL, I'm gonna save your your city for after we get through the other questions. We have one from Lewis also. Daynoff oh, said, what is Mason McTavish going to be in the future? Possible Bo Horvat type center? Yeah, the, I keep hearing the Horvat one. I, I Maybe I just don't watch Bo Horvat enough to know. Um, I feel like that's an insult. Is it? I mean, Bo Horvat's a good player. Is he yeah. that good? Maybe, maybe I'm misunderstanding. I don't think <laughs> Bo Horvat. I think Bo Horvat's like, I guess he's a second line center. Uh, Well, here's the thing. I think that if you just like watch them play, McTavish is definitely a little bit behind in terms of just skills, Mm -hmm. but McTavish has really good hockey sense. Um, He's got a really good shot and he can make plays around the net. But I think for him to reach that tier of being a true top six guy, he's going to have to work on his skills a bit. You know, he's, he's maybe it was just the fact that he was playing the wing, um, you know, with the ducks, but he's going to have to be able to beat guys. He's going to have to jump in off the rush and make plays and it's just like a necessary skill to be a to be a top six guy in the NHL nowadays. Otherwise, yep. you be, you become maybe more of a kind of support guy. So, yep. Sith Lord Buscemi asked, "What would it take to get Cam York out of Philly?" Here's my t- my opinion: Hampus an extent an extended ha- Hampus Lindholm. Sure, I think that's what it would take because Make they want, happen. They're not in the playoffs. That's not going to matter. But I think an extended Hampus Lindholm could get Cam York. Disagree? No, that's fine. Okay. I'll allow that. 
Uh, DB Lowry said, did, uh, did you all watch the Daytona 500? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. Was wondering if maybe you did, but figured not. Um, let's see. Does Anthony, JNOP88 says, Anthony Stollers have trade value as a UFA? Uh, well, he's got one year left after this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, I that's mean, right. Sorry. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he does have some value if a team wants a steady backup, but, I mean, he's pretty valuable to the Ducks. Yeah, so. I, I would just keep him. Yeah, just um, keep him. Tybal the Fiend Blooded. <laughs> uh, there's an extra T in there that I can't figure out where it needs to go, but whatever. Uh, how important do you think the executives believe an enforcer like uh, Delorier is? I think it depends on the team. I think that, that there are some teams that really would value a player like that and others that don't. But here's the thing. We just never know who the smart teams are and, and who aren't sometimes because the Maple Leafs, I mean, they want they, they'll, they're willing to pay. Like, they're in on Ben Sherratt. He's not good. Uh, Tampa Bay, right? Despite all the things they've done well, like they've always signed big and slow defensemen and they've prioritized toughness. So I think there's probably a lot of teams that would want a Nick Delorier, to be honest. Yep, I would agree with that. Uh, Dalton Keys, this will be the last one from Twitch and then we'll go to Twitter and then get to the city. Uh, <laughs> if you were GM, who would be the next Ducks coach? Ooh, well, I mean, if I were the GM and I didn't have uh, any Habs fandom anymore. Dude, just take Marty St. Louis from Montreal. I mean, he's not under can. contract for next year. Mate, I the likelihood of this happening is so low it's because so of, low. because if he's doing well in Montreal, he's probably going to want to stay because it, it's it's a mecca. Yeah. But the the ability to coach the Ducks team, right? I think you would agree that the Ducks are in a better position to contend sooner than Montreal mm. and just, just check your Habs fandom at the door. Mm. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, and so I think him leaving for uh, for Anaheim could allow him to contend sooner. Well, yeah, and I think that especially like with his style of coaching that we've seen so far, I think that there's a lot of players on the roster that would benefit from having him and, as their And coach. now I'm trying to think, did Pat Verbeek ever play with, uh, with Marty no, Sanlo? No, I don't think so. Would have been too... Would have been too old. When did Paverbeek retire? He was in, he was in the, played in the 90s, right? So, uh, Marty San Louis was on the 03, uh, 03, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Tampa Bay team that won the cup. Yeah, I mean, he retired in 02, Paverbeek did. When so, did, and he was on Dallas, yeah, so they probably didn't no, overlap. No, they didn't play. Don't you dare. Don't you freaking dare. <laughs> I'm just trying to find the connection. Why are you trying just- to take my happiness away? Um, I mean, another guy that maybe, depending on how things go, would be Jay Woodcroft. I mean, yeah. he's not under contract for next year, but I would assume if he does well enough in Edmonton, they're just going to extend him. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's felt for a long time like he's kind of next in line for Edmonton. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, let's see really quick. One more from Twitch. Jane Opp said, question for Felix. How hyped are you for Haps Prostick, Joshua Roy? Dude's unreal. Not much hype, though. I actually have never heard of this player until right well, now. There you go. All right, moving <laughs> on. Uh, this comes from Twitter. Uh, William Lewis sent me a DM asking, any chance for Cal and Lindholm get traded to the same team? And if so, does that elevate the the first we hope to, or I think what you uh, get in return and would you do it? Another one, not necessarily. Oh, I'll save that for another point in time. But uh, so do you think that that elevates the return if you package them together? No, I just think you would get what you would have gotten for both just at the same time. Yep, definitely. Like, like you don't get more. Yeah. Yep. And then I have this uh, DM from Trevor Zegris. 
There's like multiple yeah. accounts that are just called like Trevor Zegris or some version of that. It's really but funny. This guy asks good questions. Uh, let's yeah. say the Ducks get around the fi- uh, 15th pick in the draft. Is there any prospects in this draft that you're hoping the Ducks can get at their position? I don't think you or I either have an idea of this draft. We did this on the Patreon. I think it was it uh, McGrody. I think is what uh, yeah. Scott Wheeler has at fifteen. Wow. He sounds I'm, like I, it could be a good pick. I'm impressed that you you remember that. I can't remember his first name. I was trying to say it, and I it was can't like remember. it was like Ewan or something. I don't think Evan. so. But I don't. I don't think. I, okay. Well, let's I, see. I, I, I almost said Rody McGrody. I'm like that's that's not it. No, no. Wow. There's this is. Is this draft just really weak or something? The highest no. star probability is fifty percent. Rut- per is it hockey wait? Prospect. Is it really Rutger McGrody? Yeah, it's Rutger McGrody. I wasn't that cl- that far off. Why did I say what? Ewan? Um, <laughs> Shane Wright doesn't even have the highest star probability in this draft. Wow. Yeah, I mean, some people don't have him first. Yeah, What's the that, high, who has the highest star probability? It's uh, Joachim Kamel. Kemel. Oh know, yeah, yeah. Liga. He's playing. O- he's playing over in Liga. Who's yeah. after him? There's Logan Cooley. Logan US. Cooley, I, Logan Cooley is who. Um, oh, why am I fa- uh, spacing on his name? He worked for ESPN. Chris Peters. He had Chris Peters had him first. Yeah, there's Simon Nemec, Nemes from yeah. Slovakia, and Ma- there's Ma- the Matthew Savoie from. There's there's also the Slovakian kid from the uh, Olympics. <laughs> from the Olympics, yeah, he's not rating that highly here, but he was freaking amazing. Yeah. I enjoyed watching him play. Yeah. Uh, he also Trevor Zegers had yeah, a couple R- other by questions. By the way, R- Rutger Mc. Oh, you've been saying it wrong. It's Rutger McGrordy. There's two oh, R's. Sorry. Rutger McGrordy. I was yeah, going he, off memory. Come on. He's at yeah. It's okay. Uh, he's at seventeen percent star probability. Okay. So okay. Not too uh, which prospects uh, not currently on the Ducks roster do you expect to start with the team next year? I think McTavish is an easy one. Yeah, McTavish is the layup, but I do wonder about uh, Sasha Pasajov a little bit. Yeah, he. I believe he is AHL eligible because he was not. He was going the college route. I don't believe he was drafted by, drafted and playing for a CHL team uh, prior to the draft, which makes him AHL eligible next year. I think you probably maybe still let him. Yeah, uh, marinade in the CHL. By the way, his his does Zellweger st- get does Zellweger get a spot in the NHL next year to start? We've talked I mean, about that briefly on, on this trajectory. I mean, I think to start, yeah, because there's going to be openings. I mean, it depends yeah. what they do in free agency. But by the way, um, Pasajov's star probability has gone down this season. Or, he's or, fallen. He, he started off really hot and then it's fallen off a bit. His NHL or probability has gone up. So, I mean, it's yeah. looking like he'll play, but uh, maybe a little concerning there. I mean, he's a third right. round pick. So, all right. It's time, Felix. It's time. Uh Oh, uh-oh. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Thoughts on Per Se Quebec. Per Se. How do you spell that? P-E-R-C-E Quebec. It has oh, a... Oh, wow. Like, you actually you actually pronounced that correctly. Yeah. I'm, I'm impressed. I see an accent. I know what to do. Like, when, when, you, when you said it out loud, I was like, oh, God. Like, the spelling is just not at all going to match. <laughs> uh, wow. I mean, this is actually a nice area. Yeah. This is beautiful. Yeah, Lou, what are you doing here? Like, thank you for passing this along. Um, yeah, it's coastal town right by New Brunswick. Uh, I mean, it's probably cold as all hell over there, but especially right now. But yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. This looks a lot kind of like coastal New England. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the East Coast, so yeah. Yeah, I, is I'm is a there fan. is there anything of note within this? There's uh, La Maison de Pichur. <laughs> Did I say that even close to right? <laughs> 
Uh, wait, it's a restaurant. Where, where are you looking? Where are I don't you know. Looking? It's like around the curve. There's Katmanjoy or Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am just you try to all pronounce. You try to pronounce uh, French things is is the the big we, the big we, one here. We should not do uh, cities in Quebec anymore because I mean I, I can just, I can pronounce them, but I I kind of want to hear you. It's, it's I will it's just more, butcher it all. It's more fun for me. <laughs> Oh man! Wow. Uh, yeah. So am I, th- am, yeah. I, am I throwing you under the bus here a little bit? Maybe the other issue is because everything is uh, everything is in French. Yeah. So I can't tell if there's a like um, like a brewery or things like yeah. that. Yeah. Like like here here's the issue, and uh, yeah. you're getting you're getting dragged in the chat for not being able to pronounce Macintosh. Look, we've been over this. <laughs> there's good reason. There's good reason for why that happened. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually kind of want to visit this town now. Yeah. This so looks really, th- th- really, really you, nice. Thank you, Lewis. Um, I will, I will find <laughs> there was another one. Give me a second to, uh-huh. to really dig it up, but talk about this city a little bit more. Okay. Uh, do you well, want to find reviews? Can you translate something? Yeah. That's what I'm curious about. Um, okay. So there's a place called, let's see, let's go to, it's called Le Café des Couleurs, which means the colors cafe. Um, which looks kind of like, I guess, a brewery slash restaurant. Um, some interesting reviews, certainly. Certainly some interesting reviews. Uh, this one coming from Discovering Destinations, who happens to be a local guide. Oh, my. I don't know how you end up being a local guide in that area, but said, We hesitated when we read one of the reviews talking about no traditional breakfast. It's true. The main breakfast consists of waffles. I... I see nothing wrong with that, but super delicious waffles. The best coffee we've had, the best coffee we've had in a week and amazing service. Go there. FYI, as of the end of August, the kitchen closes at 3 p.m. and they will close for the season on September 15th. Why would a kitchen close at 3 p.m.? I mean, they must, <laughs> there must not be a whole lot of traffic. Yeah. Um, uh-oh, this one from Colin James. Uh, nice ambiance, decent coffee, okay waffles, really slow service, likely wouldn't return. Ouch. I don't agree the, with that. The waffles. Oh, there's a one-star review from Sarah Keller. Oh, my God. I'm going to read this. I'm, I'm just curious. My husband and I sat on the porch at two <laughs> tables, pushed together to make a table uh, make a table for four people. So we scooted over a table so another couple could sit. The waitress said we couldn't do that and had to sit in the dingy, dark part of the porch at a table for two. Insulting. Then the waitress sat her friends at the Insulting. table for four where we had been. So rude. <laughs> <laughs> this reads like a Trump tweet. There, there is also no traditional breakfast on the menu. Only waffles. Ugh, <laughs> ugh. With an exclamation. Wait, wa- waffles are traditional breakfast. <laughs> Hold on, I really want to like. I-, I can't visualize what she's complaining about. We sat on the porch at two tables pushed together to make a table for four people. What okay. was this restaurant again? This is Le Café des Couleurs. So it's uh the the colors cafe. Um. <laughs> so anyway. We had two tables pushed together to make a table for four. So we scooted over a table so another couple could sit. The waitress said we couldn't do that and had to sit in the dingy. I still haven't made the connection of why, because they pushed two together, that they had to sit in the dingy dark part. Like there's kind of this gap here in this review that it's not making complete sense. So yeah, Sarah Keller just sounds like a problem to me. Yeah. Also, also pe- people really don't like the lack of uh, traditional breakfast. Yeah, I mean, waffles, maybe it's just what's wrong with waffles? Waffles are amazing. Waffles are my go-to breakfast. 
Really? Well, I guess yeah. if you don't eat eggs, it makes sense. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, here's one. Shamatawa, Manitoba. This comes from oh. CJKHL. Okay. Um, I, I opened it up and then zoomed out right away, and oh, boy. How do you spell there's this? An, there's an airport. Uh, S-H-A-M-A-T-T-A-W-A, Manitoba. Wait, oh, hold on. It's, spell- it's, it's a remote First Nation, Nations community. That's why. Okay. Okay. We're Well... We shouldn't we shouldn't go too hard no, on them then. No, okay. no, let's try nope. a different one. Try a yep. different one. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris, not 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 letting. Them. Let's do Thompson, Manitoba. Thompson. Okay, is that with a P? T H O M P S O N. Thompson, M B, Canada. Okay. Let's see here. Yeah, this is pretty freaking remote. Uh, there's a Walmart. Yeah, there's a McDonald's. How the hell does McDonald's like get their food over to these locations? Let's look. What are the McDonald's reviews? Dude, this is oh. really northern. Oh, there's a one-star one review of uh, For the, the McDonald's? McDonald's? Ouch. It, it, it's so long. I want to read it. Is, this the, you, is it the I'll one from Daniel Rodriguez? Yes. Holy crap, this is long. Okay. <laughs> why, okay. why is there a review? Should we try um, to get through it? or is it? Yes. Is this, let, should we do a shorter one-star review? No, no. You got to do this one. The long one? Oh, yeah. my God. Okay. Daniel Rodriguez, local guide. So this guy knows what's up in Thompson, Manitoba. He's got 81 freaking reviews. So we're going to assume that he knows what he's talking about. Okay. Thompson has the distinct pleasure of offering the worst customer service of any McDonald's that I've ever visited across the country. Don't know why he capitalized C for country. I firmly believe it is because they have the where else are you going to go attitude? And sadly, they are not wrong on this approach. If you don't like the food or the service, too bad. The choices in Thompson are few, and this McDonald's seems to know that. They have the upper hand. My last experience provides a glimpse of what to expect. They couldn't get my order right, and when I spoke to a manager about this, she advised me that it was up to me to check the screen to ensure it was correct. They gave me the wrong sandwich afterwards and then took it back to give it to another customer despite the fact that I'd opened the box and looked at the sandwich. They offered no apologies for the lack of attention to service, instead turned and walked away. The sandwiches were thrown together in what, w- in what one could only assume was from a distance based on how poorly the sandwiches were assembled. It's truly disappointing to see a corporate giant such as McDonald's accept that this is okay. And it's even more disappointing that the residents of Thompson also accept this poor level of service because, hey, where else are you going to go? You know, wow, that was a journey. A, that was the, a journey. Uh, that was a journey. Street, <laughs> on the street view, uh, Thompson McDonald's. You can buy Olympic water bottles. You can get free iced coffee or cone. <laughs> I just don't understand these reviews sometimes. Like, so he's upset that they got the order wrong, and then he he talked to a manager about it, and then they told him that like he's got to make sure it's correct. Like, I just. <laughs> Why is Ronald McDonald's face blurred out <laughs> on the street view? <laughs> because the Google algorithm thinks that's a person. Uh, oh, that McDonald's okay. looks like a piece of shit, by the way. <laughs> Holy crap. Holy crap. It's We're got a nev- play place. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. How quickly do you think we'd get kicked out if we tried to go in the play place? Uh, so quickly. <laughs> Yeah, there's a chicken chef. Why would you go to McDonald's and you've got chicken chef? There's a pizza pizza? Yeah, no, chicken there, chef. There's looks, a lot, but it's all like concentrated into this like yeah, one I, small area. I, I, I feel like um, 
you know, Daniel Rodriguez's uh, kind of big assumption there that there's nowhere else to go is kind of wrong. I mean, you've got Santa Maria Pizza and Spaghetti House. Wait, Lewis is saying that from the image, it looked like Walmart across the street looked really old. There's a Quiznos? I didn't even realize Quiznos is still a thing. Oh, this uh, is oh, this Walmart does look old. It's like the old logo. <laughs> There's a Boston Pizza, Robin's Donuts. There's tons. This is a metropolis. Yeah, this is a for being this far north. Well, it, it wait. It, it's look at look at how many lakes. Like, how do you get there? <laughs> Well, so there's the six highway Wait, or freeway. Whatever, here's a fun thing. Whatever, how, whatever long call do, these. how long do you think it takes to get there from Winnipeg? Uh, I mean, we can find out pretty quickly. I know. I'm doing it right now. You're how doing long, it? How long do you think? Uh, oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say... Mm, I'm going to say six hours? Eight hours. Oh, I was going to say eight. Mm. Dude, that is a brutal drive. That's like basically going from like San Diego to San Francisco. Oh, past yeah, yeah, actually you're right, yeah. Like like even maybe past that. That is crazy. Um yeah, these distances are just freaking wild. How? How do people manage? Yeah. This is actually not too far from Leaf Rapids. Our home away from home. <laughs> At some point we're gonna visit Leaf Rapids. I, I would I was gonna say I would love to, but I, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> Um, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Leaf Rapids. Yeah, there's a, there's an Indian cuisine restaurant. Interesting. Yeah, like this whole premise that there's nowhere else to go. I'm still stuck on that in that review. Like it's just not true. There's plenty to plenty of places to try in in uh, Thompson. Manitoba. There's a KFC. When's the last time you went to a KFC? Oh God, I was thinking about that. I don't know, like eight years. I don't like go to or like someone caught it. Go. Let's just say go to. When's the last time you ate KFC? Like eight, nine years, probably. I don't know. Yeah, I'm probably similar. Bacco's Bar and Grill. Oh, wow. There's a New Balance store. (laughs) Bob's Towing. Nice. This is like a. This is like a. This is a metropolis. This is a metropolis in in northern Manitoba. This this is like. This is like Los Angeles. I mean, yeah, on on their scale, <laughs> on their scale, how cold must it get? Uh, I mean, just what do you think the weather is right now? Oh god, I think, I think it's negative twenty. I saw Fahrenheit. That, yeah, negative twenty six Fahrenheit. Oh my god. Yeah, that is brutal. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the residents. That is really yeah. cold. Yeah. Okay. Well, is that the, oh? There's also a subway. Wow, interesting. Um. You There's so eat, much to do. You here. can eat. You can eat. There's fresh. a gym. You can eat fresh. I'm not sure how fresh that all actually is, though. I mean, basically, it just seems like a developer came in and just built up this big kind of like strip mall and just mashed in all the chains, all the big boxes. There's a Tim Hortons. Yeah, there's a Starbucks. You can get Tim Hortons or Starbucks. Wow. I think the Starbucks is in the Walmart. Oh no, it's it's separate. Is it standalone? I think it's standalone. Let's see. Oh yeah, it is. Wow, it actually looks kind of like like at first blush. You would think. Oh, that's there's in, another one star review at the top. You would think that's in Seattle. Is it from Daniel Rodriguez? No, it's from Gideon Dauphine. Dauphine. Yeah. Extremely poor service was given to us at our recent visit here. 
after waiting at the counter for more than an oh wrong then that's that's always the worst after waiting <laughs> at the counter for more than enough time to receive service we were informed that there was no cream to make our drinks well maybe they were looking for the cream hmm once we decided to walk away from the employee well, okay sorry once we decided to walk away the employee repeatedly told us to have a nice day in a sarcastic and unprofessional manner will not be visiting this location revisiting I mean, there's no other Starbucks, though, in uh, in Thompson. So, I mean, not quite sure what other locations you're going to go to. I mean, it just always feels in these reviews, these bad ones, that there's, like, something we don't know that would completely change our view of the review. Like, anyway, sorry. I'm getting too invested <laughs> yeah. in these, these investigations. Okay. Should, should, we, that, should we wrap I think up? That, I think that's going to do it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, has has any as any town that we've done unseated Leaf Rapids for the how town the hell of the did podcast? We, how did this podcast last an hour and a half? Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. Um, yeah, our our viewership right now is just dwindling. Shout, shout out to all the real ones that are that are still tuned in, both recorded and live. Um, don't you have a food? Don't we have to expose a food take? Isn't oh, that part? I yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's expose see. someone. Um. Oh, Lewis said he doesn't like cookies. Charbonneau is exposing Lewis in in Discord by by saying that. Uh, yeah, so Ooh, there's some there's there's some bad ones. Lou doesn't like uh, cookies. Charbonneau doesn't like beans or pickles. BLT uh, equals worst sandwich ever. It's like the sandwich is trying to be terrible. BLTs are great. BLTs are are fine. Yeah, Winterborn, correct. This is like Lewis's worst opinion that cookies aren't good. <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coasting over that one. Yeah. I also feel like that, that just can't like be like, he can't honestly believe that no I, one, no one dislikes cookies. I'm sorry. I mean, no one dislikes cinnamon toast crunch. What do you mean? No one, <laughs> Who, no, who's one. no one, no, who's no, no, one? no one dislikes cinnamon toast crunch. I actually don't even know if I dislike it. I've I think that's it. the, I think that's the worst part of your take. <laughs> would take i have no opinion towards cinnamon toast crunch that's a lie someone just, dig up the podcast <laughs> bring out the receipts yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay all right let's let's get the hell out of here yeah well now lewis is doubling down in our t- chat saying eggs are disgusting i mean that's correct ny pizza is overrated most of the places are <laughs> shit and overpriced only de- <laughs> only D- decent D- D- lowry this is an insane take because think about it. Only decent shop in town is Joe's on Fulton. NYC is a giant freaking city, and you're saying that only one shop is decent. There, how many pizza shops do you think there are in in New York City? Like hundreds. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I mean, it's pretty bold to say only one is good. I I hope that you've had them all to be able to make that claim. Yeah. Um. Lou's opinion on eggs with them having a stench is correct also. Ooh, good take by Winterborn that BLTs with avocado are top tier. That is a that is a very strong, strong. All right, DB Lowry backtracked a bit. Only decent spot on the Lower East Side. Oatmeal is just microwaved hot cereal. Oatmeal is trash. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Honestly, I, I want to be on your side. But oatmeal sucks. It's flavorless bad doesn't do anything for you um look if you want to enjoy a nice bowl of oatmeal go for it i won't stop you but i will never 
I mean, I will never have any. Only good oatmeals are the flavored ones. I had one, I made a bowl of oatmeal once, and I remember the day I did it. It was in my it was in my college apartment, and I remember just taking the first bite and thinking, "Why did I just do this?" Wait, so did you just take oats? Yeah, like, it was like the, the steel cut. And that and was just, it. And that was that was that it. was it. <laughs> Nothing else. Well, the base has to be good. Like if have I you, have to dress it up for it to be good, ha, then have I, you never had the Quaker oats like in the bag? No, that are like like the like the the apple and cinnamon or the maple brown look, sugar. Look, it it took me one try, one bite, and that was it. I knew, I knew. Sometimes <laughs> I mean, you just know. Ma- maple brown sugar is good though. <laughs> it, it is. It's worth having. But the thing is, it's good because of the maple brown sugar. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I, I mean, the, that's the thing. Yeah, made some chicken breasts today. Was pretty. I, I thought you was, wanted to end. Was pretty. Was pretty dry. Was pretty dry. <laughs> I um, thought you wanted to wrap this thing. Okay, up. Okay, let's get the heck out of here so I can have my post <laughs> post pod in and out. Um, oh, <laughs> all right, folks. Just casually <laughs> dropping that. Do I get in and out? It's 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 an open question right now. Stay I tuned. think you need to post on Twitter tomorrow for people. <laughs> okay. Um. So if you've made it this far, definitely tweet at us shit show because that's. That's what this has been for 30 minutes. Like if, if you've long tuned that, that out. That last review that we got was basically on par. I listened and I still don't fully know why. Wow. DV Lowry, I think, hates New York because now he's saying New York burger joints suck too. If the pizza sucks and the burgers suck, like you're you're And in a he rough misses way. in and out and their oh, Mexican and- <laughs> food is the worst. Dude, get out of New just, York. You're like, just, leave. just move back here. Come back to Cali. Oh, uh, I forgot. We're not allowed to say Cali. No, um, you're not. It, it's it's no. just so, fine. So or SoCal, it's just fine. Okay, well, <laughs> if you if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, more power to you. Um, here are a few ways that you can support our show. The number one way is to check out our Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/CrashThePond. Um, for one dollar a month, you get access to our patrons-only Discord server. It's a ton of fun. You get to connect with other diehard Ducks fans. Like you can see, talk about food. We can talk about hockey. Um, there's just everything going on there. It's it's my favorite place to talk hockey anywhere right now. Um, for $5 a month, you get access to that. And you also get access to two bonus episodes a month. On those, we'll go more in-depth on the team. We'll go league-wide, do league-wide rankings. Uh, we did our mid-season awards uh, a couple shows ago. And so sometimes we'll also just be, be able to be a little bit more unfiltered to give you maybe our more... Uh, are a little less window dressing on, on our takes, uh, so to speak. And so that's for $5 a month. Now for $15 a month, you get all that and you just tell us how much you love us. Uh, it's just a, it's a major contribution and we really, really appreciate that. That's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Now you don't have to spend any money to support this show though. If you look us up on Apple podcasts, um, just search for crash the pond. You can leave us a rating and a review there. And if you leave us a review, we will read it on the show um, we've, we've gotten some really funny ones lately. So the more inside jokes you can work in, uh, the more craziness, the better, you know, that that's how we roll around here. You can also find us on Spotify, leave us a rating there, find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. You get the video version of the show. You can see Jake holding up his cat Salem at the end of the show as he is doing right now. Um, turn on the notifications as well. If you're on YouTube so that, you know, when our videos are going up. Uh, we are also on social media. Find Crash the Pond on Twitter at Crash the Pond and on Facebook. Jake is on Twitter at Reindeer Games ninety one, and I am on yes, Twitter I am at Felix underscore Scard. 
and also check out our website, crashthepond.com. We've always got fun ducks articles going up there, and that's also where you can find the podcast. So on that note, everyone, hope you've had a fun time listening to this. Hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.